The music has been just particularly amazing this morning. Amen. I just think it's an awesome. Thank you. People are dancing. It's good. One of the most frustrating things for me to hear as a parent, especially on Christmas and summer breaks, is, Mom, I am so bored. So for those children and students in here, I want you to know that most of us as your parents, we would love to be bored. We would love it. And then as I was uh, beginning the sermon and writing the sermon, I, I got really convicted because I realized that in my own life, there actually are things that bore me. And it's not the housework that needs to be done or the church work that needs to be done. But if I'm going to be honest, sometimes I get bored in my relationship with Jesus. You know, I mean, I work at a church. I do a lot of churchy things. And the things that we tend to repeat and do over and over, they can become kind of routine, kind of meh, whatever. But I believe that Jesus is pretty clear that he came so that we would have anything but a boring Christian life. In John 10.10, he tells us that he has come to give us life and life to the full. A full, abundant, non-boring life. And I think that the key to, to having a life that's not a boring Christian life is to realize that each of us has been called to something bigger than just ourselves. That each of us actually has a purpose And so to know that, though, we've got to figure out who Jesus is and who is Jesus and who is he calling us to be. So I wonder if you've reflected on that. Is Jesus your your friend, savior? Is Jesus someone who still really confuses you, who you want to get to know more? Maybe Jesus is someone you don't even really believe in. Well, all of us are welcome here, whatever, whatever it is that we believe. But we've been using the gospel of Mark to kind of frame that for us. And, and what did Jesus spend his time doing? And, and who did Jesus hang out with? And what did Jesus speak about? And, and did Jesus pray? And did Jesus get hungry? And, and we're trying to, like, get this picture of who is this amazing person that we follow Well, we've been using the Gospel of Mark, but it begins so differently than the other Gospels. I don't know if you've caught this, for those of you that have been reading along with us, but the Gospel of Mark does not begin with the birth of Jesus. The Gospel of Mark begins with this man named John the Baptist, who is baptizing people out in the wilderness. And then suddenly, this man named Jesus comes on the scene. And John says that this person, Jesus, is someone whose sandals he is not worthy to untie. And then Jesus comes and and he baptizes him, John baptizes him in the River Jordan. And then immediately after that, he is sent out into the wilderness for 40 days. And there he is alone and he is hungry. And then as soon as he gets back, he, he is back and he starts heading north. And I, I wanted y'all to see kind of where he is in the wilderness here. And then he, he, go, he started at the Jordan River. And then he begins to head north to the Sea of Galilee. And there at the Sea of Galilee, he comes upon two brothers. And he, these are going to be the first people that he calls as fishermen, James and John. And Jesus calls them, and Scripture tells us immediately they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they follow him. 
And then um, he, a few more times, he, he follows and he sees the other brothers, Simon and Andrew. And he says, come and follow me and I will make you fish for people. Okay, so then he comes back to the sea a couple weeks later and he sees this man sitting in a tax booth and his name is Levi. And so first it was fishermen and now there's a tax collector and he says to Levi, he says, follow me and he gets up and follows. So before the text that we read today, we know of five men that Jesus has called. And y'all, they literally left everything. We are told that they leave their jobs immediately They leave their families, they leave their status, they leave their means of ensuring that food will be on the table. What could it have been about Jesus that allowed these men to just leave everything? I mean, I do think that he probably had kind of like he's God thing going for him that made him a little bit magnetic. But you know what, I think it's it's something more than that. Because when he calls them, He reminds them, I have a purpose bigger than what you thought your purpose in life was. What if the only thing that these men and the only thing that we need is to know that we have a purpose that is bigger than ourselves? What if it's just a reason to be something we never thought we could be? Will y'all pray with me before we read our scripture? Gracious and loving God, I pray that you would quiet our very busy minds. Help us to to be present here with you. May your Holy Spirit still our bodies. May all those people and all those things that are consuming us that we are so worried about, may we trust them to you so that in these moments of worship, this this next 30 minutes, that, that we can enjoy you and glorify you, and hear your truth. Pray this in Christ's name, amen. Our scripture comes from the third chapter of Mark. We'll read 13 to 19. Hear now the word of our Lord. Jesus went up the mountain, and he called to him those whom he wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, to be with him, and, not, and to be sent out to proclaim the message And to have authority to cast out demons. So he appointed 12. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, son of Zebedee and John, the brother of James. To whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is sons of thunder. And Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, son of Alphaeus. And Thaddeus and Simon the Cananean and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And then he went home. This is the word of the Lord. In our text today, it begins with Jesus calling these folks up to the mountain. All around the Sea of Galilee are mountains, and and Stacey Eichert has just gotten back from her trip to the Holy Land this past week, and so she can testify that literally it's surrounded by mountains, and some would say hills. This scripture can even be read that Jesus went out to the hill country. I love that. The point isn't which mountain around the Sea of Galilee did Jesus go to. It's that he went to a mountain because he was calling these people apart for a special purpose. And you see, the listener in the first century, they would have known of another story uh, of a man named Moses who is out in the wilderness, and he is then called up to a mountain 
where he is then given the law. You see, up to this point in the story, Jesus has called these men to be his followers. But here in verse 14, we discover he is calling them to be more than just disciples. He appoints 12. This is to continue the tradition of the people of Israel who came from 12 tribes. This would have reminded the people present in first century and reminds us that what this man Jesus is doing, it's not new. This is part of God's larger story. God's work is always tied to a larger story. And then we are told that Jesus appoints them as this certain name, apostles. Apostles in the Greek literally means those who are sent away, those who are sent out. And it says, the scripture says that first he calls them to be with him, to be sent out to proclaim a message, and to be sent out to have authority to cast out demons. First, they are called to be with him, to be with Jesus. Jesus wants these men to be his companions. Now, if Jesus, Savior of the world, God in the flesh, chose to be surrounded by 12 people immediately, how much more would all of us need to be surrounded by people So when you think about your weekend is approaching, how good does it feel when someone reaches out to you, especially if you have a whole bunch of children, and says, I want to hang out with you. You want to come over? Doesn't it feel good to just have someone want to be with you? And this is what Jesus is saying to them. I have called you to be with me. Don't you like to have spiritual moments with Jesus? Those moments when you're in worship and you just feel feel God's presence, or you're going throughout your week and you have one of those like aha, epiphany, God moments, and and you just know God is so at work, Jesus wants desperately for all of us to be with him and then delight in his presence. But in the very next breath, Jesus doesn't let us stay. See, the, the scripture says that they are to be with him and then they are to be sent out to proclaim the message. You see, Jesus is the son of God, fully divine, son of man, fully human, but Jesus is a sender. And Jesus sends them out to to proclaim a message. And this is the point in the scripture where I want to say, okay, hold up, Jesus. I think maybe you messed this one up. Um, You want everyday fishermen and tax collectors to go out and preach about you, and you barely know them? I mean, isn't it illegal to share your faith in public? Won't it offend people? I will never forget the first time I went to see my University of Georgia Bulldogs play football against Auburn. Charlie and I had set up this this tailgate with a whole bunch of our students that went to both of those schools. And so we show up in Athens, and we have the tailgate, and it's a perfect fall day, and I have on an adorable game day outfit, And we're heading towards the stadium, and there in front of the journalism school, I hear this really loud voice. And and, and as I approach, there is this person literally standing on soap boxes with a megaphone shouting to the thousands of people going by. And this is what the person said. Do you have pride in your Georgia Bulldogs today? Are you excited and proud for your Auburn Tigers? 
Well, Scripture tells us pride cometh before the fall. And today is judgment day. Well, like any normal person, I went up to him. And I, I kind of sidled up to the person with the, the megaphone. And, and I said, hey, my name's Emily. I'm a minister in Atlanta. And, and I, I do really like my Georgia Bulldogs. And, but I love Jesus. And can you help me understand how you yelling at everyone is helping people get to know Jesus? Well, um, he didn't engage me. <laughs> he just kept shouting into the megaphone. This is what I fear, though. When, if I tell people, you need to go from here and proclaim a message, I, I feel like history provides all too many examples of times when Christians in the name of Jesus, the followers of Christ, have used the, the message of Jesus in really hurtful and, let's be honest, violent ways. And so this is why I'm like, come on, Jesus, ordinary people, we're just ordinary people. What do you mean we're supposed to proclaim the message? So if Jesus sent the apostles out to share the message, what in the world are they supposed to share? No, the word there doesn't say to share the gospel in Mark. It doesn't say share the good news. It just says the message. So what is that message? At this point in Mark, the only message these men would have heard is, is what they had experienced with Jesus. And so I want to remind you up to this point, we're only in chapter 3, what they've experienced. They've seen Jesus forgive sins. They've seen that Jesus heals. They've seen a message of Jesus that one does not just hang out with the popular crowd. In fact, we're actually supposed to hang out with those that are on the margins. Jesus offers a message of hope to those who no one else is willing to have a message towards. This is the message. In every instance, it's, it's all about what these disciples would have seen Jesus do. It's all about Jesus. Now, if you're thinking, whew, I am so glad I was not one of those 12. I am so glad, you know, that we'll leave that to like gospels, the gospel people, the 12 disciples. Well, in the last chapter of Mark, listen to what Jesus says. Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. All of us, all of us as followers of Jesus have been sent. All of us have been sent out to share the message because Jesus is a sender. So what is the message that we have been sent to share? Jesus sends us out to share openly about our experience with Jesus just as those apostles were sent out to share about their experience with Jesus. I want to be clear, I can't tell you what it is for you. Each of you has a personal relationship with Jesus, and, and it's going to be different based on your age and stage, what Jesus is to you and, and what encounters with Jesus you are having. We have to take those personal images and those personal experiences with Jesus and realize we haven't been sent out to place judgment on the world. We have been sent out to share Jesus with the world. Jesus sent out ordinary men unskilled, unschooled, ordinary men, and all they had to do was share their experience of Jesus. All of us have a story. The message that is important to me right now, to Emily Wright right now, is that Jesus offers hope in the midst of a world that thinks it offers hope in a way that is different, in a way that is not shallow, 
in a way that is true and right and I believe with every fiber of my being. The message of Jesus is that in Jesus, you have the ability to overcome addiction and the ability to to overcome things that the world labels as awful, like learning disabilities. I'm tired of it. In Jesus, I am told that even though I might be failing as a parent, that God is always writing a way bigger story than just me as a parent. In Jesus, I am never alone. In Jesus, we always have a purpose. In Jesus, we have the ultimate role model. But see, that the message or story for you to share is yours. Note, it is not a message for us to go and tell other people about what we think or God thinks about their experience or what God thinks about their, for their shortcomings or about their choices, their expectations, or their failures. Jesus sends us out to share about his work in our lives. So Jesus calls the apostles to be with him, and then he sends them out with this message. I bet you thought I'd skip the part about casting out demons, right? I mean, isn't it fun to talk about demons in church? I mean, we know that we already worship the God who has overcome all evil. I said this last week, but I want to make sure you realize that in first century, there was no concept of a figure of Satan that that had horns coming out of his head, a pitchfork, and a red cape with little minion devils going or floating around him. That didn't exist. So when Jesus talks about Satan or one of the biblical New Testament authors talks about demons, they're really just talking about evil. They're talking about things that are not God. The forces in the world and in our world that are coming up against goodness. Things that are tearing people down as opposed to building them up. This is evil. This is the demons. And often in his time, it was related to physical and to mental illness. So those apostles had a unique authority to be able to be sent to go cast this out of people. But guess what? We have been given a unique authority to do it. It's just in a very different way. I have, we have been given this power and I have seen it. I see it every day at the Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church. I see it when a pastor comes to the home of someone who is grieving and by her mere presence offers the peace that passes all understanding. I see it when a deacon agrees to pick someone up and take them to their doctor's appointment and then prays with them and for them the entire time. I see it when one of our youth pastors sits with a student whose life is literally falling apart and says, I'm here for you. I see it when the the people that come week after week and month after month go and serve with mobile loaves and fishes. I see it when someone gets diagnosed with cancer and then literally thousands of people are praying for his healing. Every time you make a meal, you offer a prayer, you sent an encouragement note, you drive someone. Every time you care and and seek justice and mercy for others, you are casting out evil. You are living as a sent person. I believe the key to avoiding a boring Christian life is to realize that Jesus calls us to be sent people people that have a unique purpose. Not just followers, 
but those who have been sent to share a message, the message of how Jesus has been present in your life. And we also have been sent to pray, to cook, to serve, to show up, to listen, and to be present for a world that is desperate, desperate for the hope of Jesus. We are a sent people. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.